Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Star Wars Thrawn. You're listening to Living Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. War is in your blood. A Utini Podcast Network production. I'm a visitor to your world. Episode 115, Thrawn Ascendancy, Greater Good, Roundtable, Part 1. Every ship they add to their arsenal increases the threat to our own Amada and the Emperor's plans. On this episode, happy birthday shoutouts. I study the art of war. A Star Wars celebration update. Well, to perfect it. And the Utini crew talks about the newest book by Timothy Zahn, Thrawn Ascendancy, Greater Good. I will start my operations here and pull the rebels apart piece by piece. And now, here are your hosts. They'll be the architects of their own destruction. Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, Wes Jenkins, and guest host Emma Clark. Utini! What is up, everyone? Welcome into the Living Force I am one of your hosts with the greatest Rogue One shirt you ever did see, Eric Eilerson. And joining me tonight to talk about all things Thrawn Ascendancy greater than good are a couple of my greatest friends. First, we have in a new setup, Dr. Charles Hankel. Hey, man. Oh, what's up, everybody? Yeah, I'm here. Um, do I have a bigger TV screen behind me than Eric? Yes. Was that intentional? No. Am I happy about it? Whoa, yes. we're going to measure now? Is that what the show is? <laughs> Anyway, Wes Jenkins is also here. What's up, man? Hey! What's going on, everyone? I did another uh, nail-biter um, reading, I guess, uh, like a, a reading Dude, marathon again. So, uh, it was incredible. Uh, I, I, would say, I would say roughly 24 hours I finished the book. But, um, wow. And that's almost, that's, that's kind of like my studying life in, all throughout high school and college and, and even junior high. So... You shove it all in like right at the last minute so you can regurgitate it on a test and then forget it all in 10 minutes. That's going to be so great when Lesser <laughs> Evil comes out later this year. But uh, luckily, we don't only have these two jokers and myself. We have a guest host that is bravely uh, not watching the Bruins game tonight. But we have from the Cosmic Force, Emma Park. What's up, everybody? Yes, that's right. I, um, <laughs> I'm not watching the Bruins right now. If you hear random and loud screaming, that is just my family. Uh, no one is getting murdered. It's fine. Uh, but go bees. <laughs> Except maybe the Bruins. We don't know. Maybe the Bruins. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> not. Oh, my gosh. I hope not. <laughs> well, here's well, here's a question before we even start on that. Of course, I said it's going to be spoilers for Thrawn this evening. Emma, do you want people in our glorious chat, hello, everyone, to update you with scores of the Bruins game? Or do you want to not be spoiled for what happens? Hey, if anybody's watching the bees and wants to shoot me an update, please do. I mean... I kind of have right. a little bit of an update going on. Like, if there's a, a really loud scream, I figure, okay, maybe the Bruins scored. So it's like, awesome. you know, it's a, or if I hear, oh no, yeah, maybe the Islanders score. Who knows? <laughs> well, oh my gosh, the Islanders. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't watch a lot of hockey, but I'm a fan of whatever you're a fan of. Emma, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, as we said, Emma is one of the great hosts on the Cosmic Force, our comic show on the Utini Network on Wednesday evenings. We'll talk about that a little more in a second. But before we get to Thrawn, just a couple quick updates. First, we want to. Sp- 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 nope, I didn't get uh-huh. it. Try again. I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get. It. I'm gonna try it again. We want to send a belated happy birthday to our other host, Dr. Corey Helton, who was in the chat 
at work right now. Corey had a birthday this weekend and got to hang out with some Utenians in person. Our very own Andrew Bell and Timothy Guthrie got to go hang with him live. And it was wild seeing like our staff members in person in Slack. Together. It was very yeah. weird. And how? Yeah. let's talk about how short Corey was compared to everybody else. I want to talk about that. Timothy um, and Andrew were giants. It was shocking. I'm just saying that to yeah. mess with Corey. It's my running gag that he's he's really short. So let's all just be in on this together, okay? <laughs> all right, guys. Corey, don't listen for a second. Chat, you know what to do. Um, yeah. So happy birthday, Five Corey. Uh, we're happy glad birthday. birthday, Corey. <laughs> we're glad that you got night shift as a gift. Uh, and then, of course, another happy birthday to a slightly less important person in Star Wars, uh, Dave Filoni. Who his birthday is today? Obviously, creator of many great things we love, including Clone Wars, Rebels, Mandalorian, all the good stuff. Trapper Wolf himself. Uh, happy birthday, sir! I hope you got to pet a wolf at a sanctuary or whatever you want to do with your life. <laughs> hope you love that. Um, next shout out is is a, is a bit of a, a tonal shift. Um, this past weekend, some great friends of ours, uh, uh, Pink Milk, the podcast. Uh, recently, we had Brian on. If y'all remember from our unpopular opinions episode, one of my favorite recent spots. Um, they had a live stream going on, and they received a decent amount of pretty vicious harassment by either, like, real people or hate bots of racial slurs, homophobic slurs in honor of Pride Month and all these things. And it was really gross. And we don't want to talk about that so much. We want to talk about what happened over the weekend where we got to see our community come together and show so much love and support to the fellows over at Pink Milk and all the folks that are on that channel and all their streams. And if you missed all that hatred, great. They're not worth our time and our breath. But we at The Living Force and Utini just wanted to send an extra special amount of love to all of our friends in there and all of our friends in the LGBTQ community that are celebrating Pride Month this month. Um, we have a special collection for you all coming out tomorrow, I believe. And just in, in the face of something truly awful and hateful, I'm so proud of so many people in this community that rally behind Brian and everyone. So just a quick, uh, just a quick shout of love to you all and all those people that try to make those hateful comments. I hope you know how badly you got wrecked and uh, never do that again. That's all. Happy Pride Month, everybody. Next thing, back to the lightness for a bit. There was a bit of a, uh, a stampede on the Star Wars internet this week as Star Wars hotel Celebration Hotel reservations went up. Did you all did you all take part in this? I got to know personally. I did. I did. How'd it, it go? Was, what did it, what did it go up? It was, I think it was Thursday, last Thursday. So, well, here's the thing. Um, VIP got uh, first dibs. So the people with VIP four-day passes mm-hmm. got first dibs at the housing. And um, that was two days beforehand. And then four-day pass holder, I guess all pass holders, got um, got dibs at everything left over. So my intention was to get one of the hotels that were on the uh, convention floor grounds. And as soon as I went to that to the Connections Housing website where you go and mm-hmm. sign up for certain hotels that are within that um, Star Wars celebration block... Those were gone. Those were definitely gone. That makes sense. So that makes sense. Yeah, and then <laughs> there were there were plenty of hotels that had the almost the exact same name as those, but they were like uh, a mile or two away. So you would click on them and be like, "Oh, great, I got the one I wanted," but you really didn't. So I had to do like 
random Google searching to sign, find out exactly where they were located as in regards to the actual convention center. It was hectic, but <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I think they pretty much sold out in what, 10 minutes? I oh think yeah. It was 10, wow. 15 minutes. Yeah. It was a gone. wild rush. I, I saw a lot of our, our star Wars mutual friends like posting, like I got him. I got my hotels. And I know that un- unfortunately this is a rough segment because Emma and Charles will not be joining us at Star Wars celebration. Um, yeah, yeah. This, um, about that. That's just a bummer. The chat. This, this barrier <laughs> right here that y'all can see in the video, it is, it is there between our video panels. It is also there between those privileged enough to go to celebration and those that cannot. <laughs> That's so true. I'm sad. Hey, I'm uh, sad. I'm using, on, I'm using this horribleness that it sounds like for uh, celebration housing is a small silver lining for people like me and. And Emma, we didn't have to put up with that yeah. nonsense. But That's I hope right. you guys have a wonderful time and that you can walk to the convention center every day. I mean, man, when I was That's hearing right. about that, it, it, all I thought was that it kind of sounds like getting housing at college, you know, like this crappy yeah, lottery totally. system. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of glad I don't yep. have to uh-huh. have to worry about that. So it's like literally the one silver lining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to give us. And you had to you had to be incredibly quick about it, too. And and fly through the registration mm-hmm. so you could have picked anything you could have been like you had like three of your friends with you and you accidentally clicked one king bed and it's like you know cuddle reserve, time reserve reserve <laughs> oh well because <laughs> because that once you get to what you want if you if you're too long that room will get snatched up right from under you unless you like reserve it right mm-hmm. then so yeah nuts gray hairs well i'm glad you got it uh, i want to give a special on-air shout out to our very own freddie on the team um who I was lucky enough to corner like a year ago and beg me him to let me stay in his house. So Charlie and I will be staying with Freddie. But all of you that are going to be at Celebration next year, we're going to keep pumping this. Please come up, say hi, no matter what t- hotel you're staying at. We're very excited to meet all of you and go to all these after events and stumble back to wherever we all happen to be staying <laughs> to try to sober up for the next day's activities. <laughs> uh, two more things we want to mention before we get into our thrawness. We're going pretty quick. I like this pace. Uh, last week, War of the Bounty Hunters officially, 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 after all the preludes, uh, kicked off with War of the Bounty Hunters number one. And just as a Star Wars show, we would be remiss if we didn't address the reception of that single issue. Y'all, have you seen a bigger single comic reaction in Discord and Slack and Twitter in like a year? No Dude. way. The, nothing came even no. close to, to this reception in both Slack and discord i mean my phone was buzzing off the hook and by the way i mean i mentioned this on cosmic force last week everybody has been amazing with their spoiler tags in discord and i just want to thank everybody for that thank you all because not everybody has an opportunity to read them right away and everybody has been so great about it this is something you you don't want to go into being spoiled because man that that shock when you flip that page Mm -hmm. and that thing happens it's like mind-blowing it's fantastic so thank you everybody yeah yeah and that being said it does look like for for all of you interested it seems like the rule of thumb even for like some of the good folks on twitter and youtube it seems to be the monday after in thumbnails like all bets are off so if you need a day that's great you you probably won't get spoiled but if you really want to have no spoilers for this comics event um Probably reading by the next Monday, similar to like Bad Batch when the, when they put up the concept art from the last week. That's kind of rule of thumb is that people get the weekend. So uh, you want to be reading that event as well. If you haven't been spoiled yet, uh, you, you, you read it. It's very, it's very good. 
Eric gave us a, a quick plot synopsis of what happened in that comic, and I was like, they put all that into a comic? And I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Gotta get it. So super good. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, that is not going to be the topic of conversation on this week's Cosmic Force, because that's not how that show works. But he segued. It's going to be a very special mm-hmm. episode of the Cosmic Force on Wednesday, and it's going to be a very special episode of Legends Look Back on Thursday. Emma, tell the audience why. Yes, so we are doing a gigantic Utini crossover event. We've got Cosmic Force talking about the Shadows of the Empire comics. There's actually two comic runs, the Shadows of the Empire proper and then the Shadows of the Empire Evolution, a sort of a sequel comic. And then Legends Look Back, uh, sorry, uh, let me just mention the date for that for our audio listeners, uh, Cosmic Force, that's June 9th um, for for the Cosmic Force at 9 p.m. That's one hour later than our normal start time, and that is because we are having Jared and Freddie on the show, which is going to be a lot of fun. Woo-woo! Yeah. And then Legends Look Back is going to be June 10th for uh, the roundtable on the novel Shadows of the Empire. And that is going to be an absolute blast. And those aren't even the only two things that are going into this Utini crossover. We've got uh, reading guides and game night and Star Wars Archives is even getting in on the fun. It's going to be a blast. That's that's right. We got um, this Friday night, I believe, uh, Wes Andrew is... That was very confusing for audio. (laughs) Wes, who I am speaking to, isn't it true that Andrew is going to be uh, playing Shadows of the Empire on Friday night? Is that the schedule? Andrew is definitely at the front of the line of being voluntold to do this. So, yes. (laughs) Voluntold. (laughs) I love it. So, he's going to knock out some Shadows of the Empire and then maybe call... uh, Call up Jared and get some tips because he recently played it on the N64, yeah. which yes. saddens me after watching Legends Look Back as I think he broke open that brand new packaging of Shadows of the Empire that he had. It was, it was like it was completely sealed like you bought it 20 years ago. And I was like, don't you open that, man. <laughs> <I> did. <laughs> don't you open that. And I think he did. Yeah. If you don't follow <laughs> our very own Jared Mays on Twitter, go for that. He does have a thread going about his weekend adventures with Shadows of the Empire. Great uh, nostalgia, especially as someone uh, who is a little older now going back and looking at, oh, these polygons, right. Oh, this is what Zyzor looks like. (laughs) So have a blast with that. And a shout out, like Emma said, to our Star Wars Archives show with Jose and Trevor is going to be dropping a free for all listeners episode about Shadows of the Empire on this coming Sunday, I believe. And Jose, of course, we would be remiss not to say, uh, did the design for that incredible poster. Let's throw that poster one more time. It's yeah. so, so pretty. Cool. I got to look at it again. Jose put this together in celebration. So in honor of War of the Bounty Hunters Here coming, we, we decided to make our own giant Utini event this Wednesday, this Thursday, this Friday, this Sunday. Look at that gorgeous design work. Mm. And I would also uh, be remiss to say, uh, to mention, I, I left out one other thing. I mean, out of all of these things. Do it. It's like crazy. We've got so many things going on. Nathan also did a YouTube video on Shadows of the Empire. So definitely check that out as well. Yes. I love that guy. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a pretty cool dude, huh? (laughs) So good. So, yeah. If you're excited for one crossover, go over to your teeny and talk about a completely different one. Um, We hope you have a great (laughs) Shadows of the Empire week. And believe me when I say, based on our, our Slack previews, you will want to be there for the conversations about what holds up 
and what does not. Um, should be very enjoyable, right, Emma? Yeah, it, it'll be an interesting time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll save my thoughts for the show, but yes, it'll be interesting. Right, right, right. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will see you all on Wednesday. I can't wait to watch it purely as a viewer. All right. Moving on to our Patreon updates. We want to thank two lovely folks that one upgraded their patron to yearly and one joined. We have Ken Jackson, who is now an annual patron. Thank you so much. And Samuel, who joined us as a monthly patron. We hope you're enjoying, again, all the extra content you get, including that one RSS feed with all the stuff Utini puts out. And, of course, the Patreon goal that will be coming probably near the end of this month, our trivia night where the four Living Force hosts are going to imbibe things and try to answer things and just devolve into chaos. And we'll see if Corey finds more things to not sign and just go with. All right, (laughs) Charles, I'm done. I had a long day at work, so drive this boat right into the sun, man. Let's talk some Thrawn. Okay, let's do it. Let's talk some Thrawn, guys. That's right. It is time for our discussion about Thrawn, greater good. Oh, my goodness. I feel like it's been a long time coming. Uh, it was it was a long book. It was a thick book. And so the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to run through this plot synopsis. But because it was so detailed, I can't do this all myself. I asked my buddies here to split this plot synopsis up with me. So I'm going to kick it off. Then Wes and Eric are going to take a couple sections. And we will get you up to speed before we start asking some pretty serious questions. So... Oh man, I'm so glad I pulled up the the Yeah, see the that was my way that, I forgot that was happening. That was my way to tell the audience <laughs> and to remind you both because we did not talk about it before the show. So Thanks, I buddy. saw my name on there for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so right. anyways, uh let's kick this off. So Jixtus, the mysterious puppet master behind General Yiv the Benevolent, continues to plot his domination of the chaos, setting his sights firmly on the Chiss Ascendancy. Together, with the help of one of his associates, Hapliff of the Agbui, they hatch a new plan. Hapliff ventures into the chaos with a fake family under the guise of being cultural nomads. They soon meet a Chiss couple, Yopanek and Yomi, who are also traveling the Ascendancy. Hapliff convinces the Chiss that they should travel together, secretly hoping to use them to make important Chiss contacts. Meanwhile, after, after the defeat of General Yiv and the Nicardan Destiny, Senior Captain Thrawn and Admiral Aralani are mopping up the remaining Nicardan forces throughout the chaos. They're joined by Senior Captain Lakinda, a Zodlak yearning for the same notoriety as her comrades. Back on Scylla, Syndic Thurfian continues to plot against Thrawn this time working with Zastalmu to plant rumors of a Patatus Figari alliance that they hope will entice Thrawn to make an error worthy of his demise. Elsewhere, despite their shared travels, Hapliff and Yomi begin to butt heads. Hapliff seems too concerned with going to Selwis to meet Counselor Lakuviv, a local dignitary, while all Yomi wants to do is go to various worlds to watch their bird migrations. Poor Yopanek is loser. stuck in the middle. Right? <laughs> After tensions build to a boil, Yomi discovers one of Hapliff's secrets. He's telepathic and has been reading their minds using physical touch to influence them to do his bidding. Given mounting pressure from Jixtus to finish his job, Hapliff is left with no choice and secretly murders Yomi, convincing Yopanek she abruptly left, preferring to travel alone for a while. Well, she is traveling alone for a while, I'll tell you that right now. Um, (laughs) Hapliff and Yopanek then go to Selwis and meet Lakoviv. Hapliff requests a small plot of land to farm his people's spices, and to ensure the deal goes smoothly, he bribes Lakuviv with a piece of metal jewelry. Ultimately, Lakuviv grants Hapliff his land, uh, which was part of a local farm 
that was owned by Lacfro, but he's suspicious of his new guest and sends the jewelry to be analyzed. Hapliff settles in on his new land, much to the despair of Lacfro. The two manage to coexist mostly thanks to Hapliff charming Lacfro's wife and daughter with yet more jewelry. Lacfro sends a piece of jewelry off to his cousin, a mentor, the, uh, member of the expansionary defense fleet, to be analyzed as well. But his cousin, in turn, suggests sending it along to Thrawn. Now, back in the chaos, Thrawn splits off from Aralani's fleet to return to the planet Rapak, home of the Pakash people who he previously befriended. But he's quickly pulled into a new mystery as the Pakash reveal they're protecting a group of refugees of an unknown species led by a matriarch called the Magus. The Magus has declared her homeworld lost and plans to demand mass suicide by its survivors. She believes that once they all join what she calls the beyond, their planet will be better prepared for newcomers to settle there. Wes. Was that English? Did that you Listen, spoke right there? There were a lot I, of words. I only stumbled over my words word. like 17 that times. Great, That's man. a win. That's a win. All right, Wes, take that baton. Here we go. As Aralani continues hunting down the last of the Nicardoon destiny, she finds its last few bases already destroyed. Shortly thereafter, she receives orders directly from Chila that Thrawn is to return home immediately, but he is too far out of range to get the message. So she sends Lakinda after Wes, him. Wes, put the camera Back on yourself. On... <laughs> Crap. Sorry, buddy. You're doing great. <laughs> Back on Chel- Selwis, after Hapleaf jewelry is analyzed, a starting discovery is made. It contains pure Nyx, a metal that is crucial for warship hulls in the Chiss expansionary defense fleet. But to use such a pre- precious and valuable metal for homemade jewelry would mean Hapleaf and the Agbui must have a large supply or a lack of understanding about the value of what they have. Both of these facts are confirmed by Hapleaf, who takes one of Lakuvi's assistants to the planet where the Agbui mine and process a huge supply of Nyx. Lakuvi decides he must secure the planet from not only the Chiss ascendancy, but his own Zodlak family, hoping to return it to its previous status as a ruling family. On Rapak, Thalius manages to convince the Magus to visit her home planet with the Chiss to see if all hope is truly lost, intending to find a way to avoid the mass suicide. Upon their arrival to the planet, which Thrawn nicknames Sunrise, they are quickly attacked by a small force of gunships and a dreadnought. Lakinda arrives just in time to render aid, and the dreadnought is forced to flee after destroying all of its own gunships, leaving no clues behind for Thrawn to evaluate. After returning to Chila, Thrawn receives a new mission, to travel to Patatis to investigate rumors of Vagari pirate activity. Lakinda and Arlani are to go back to Sunrise. Upon their return, Arlani and Lakinda again face off with the Dreadnought, but this time they find an artificial asteroid housing a missile explaining how the destroyed Nicardoon bases met their demise. Though they are able to defeat the Dreadnought, the missile is detonated, destroying the Dreadnought and all the other evidence yet again. Elsewhere, Theron finds a Patatus force waiting for him, though when they fire on him using minimally damaging lasers, he realizes that they are secretly requesting aid. They are being controlled by none other than the Nicardoon. Thrawn is able to free them and is rewarded with supposed coordinates of a Vagari pirate base. But after traveling there, Thrawn is ambushed yet again by a group of starfighters, which is soon discovers are being remotely controlled. He is able to capture some of them and shortly wins the battle. Someone had arranged the skirmish, hoping to keep Thrawn occupied while other things unfolded. Thrawn then receives the jewelry sent by Lakfro's cousin and shows it to the Magus, who is able to confirm that it was made by her people on her planet, meaning Sunrise is the location of the Nyx, not the secret planet of the Agbui. 
On Selwis, after being ignored by his superiors, Lakuviv calls a family emergency and an ancient Chiss ritual that immediately transitions Zodlak Chiss that immediately transitions Zodlak Chiss from their duties in the expansionary defense fleet to respond to a family-related situation. Woo! Woo! That is a Are y'all still following? <laughs> are y'all still following? Because we're not done. Eric, take us home. All right. All right. Mm. Two things in the chat. I don't remember what the major sounds like. I'll try to get it for next time. And two, Timothy said <laughs> patatas is potatoes. And that makes me laugh so yes. All right. All right. Here we go. Mm. Soon enough, the Zodlak family sends a warship to the Agbui secret planet, intending to take control of it for the Zodlak family. However, several other Chiss families have done the same thing. Somehow, they all came to know about the planet around the same time. Thrawn arrives at the Agbui planet to find the Chiss family's forces poised to fight each other. He uses the remotely controlled ships he captured to pretend he is being attacked by pirates, thus forcing the Chiss to work together against an alien threat. With the help of Cherry and the coordination of Lakinda aboard the Zodlak warship, Thrawn is able to manufacture a devastating crash between several of the remote ships, causing their debris to land precisely on the fake Nyx mine, destroying it. The Chiss families are left with nothing to fight over, None realize that the mine was a hoax all along. On Selwis, Lakfro confronts Happily for his treachery and ultimately kills him, but the rest of the Agbui escape. Kalori of the Undualan, <laughs> screw you, Charles, <laughs> who was revealed to be navigator for the Agbui, meets with Jixtus. Jixtus reveals that he is working on behalf of the Grisks! Sounds right, baby! And gives Kalori a new mission to learn how the Chiss navigate through the chaos. After the near-Chiss Civil War, Syndic Zestalmu offers Lakinda a spot in the Arizi family as a trial-born rather than her current place in the Zodlak family as a married adoptive. She is unsure if she will take it, but does rather like the sound of what would be her new name, Zinda. Finally, after Thoraki's death, rip, Syndic Thurfian is made the new patriarch of the Myth family, the most powerful position in the entire family hierarchy. His new senior aide, Thivik, then states, I will tell you of the ancient history of the myth, the true history, so long suppressed. And I will tell you of a terrible, terrible alien weapon known as Starflash. Boom, baby. Wow. Um, if you're still with us. Uh, wow. Dude, I, I, wait, real quick before you say anything, Charles. Charles wrote all of that word for word by himself. It's amazing. I did that, that, was, but. Incredible. I just want to say I well feel done. for Mark Thompson uh, because we struggled <laughs> with like two pages in this document and he read this entire book. Um, wow. But y'all, let's go ahead. Let's try to, to, I don't know, digest everything we just heard. Remember what we read with this book and let's give it a rating. Uh, one to 10 as we normally do. And um, you can tell me with like 30 seconds or less kind of your initial thoughts, why you're giving it the rating that you are. I think it's only right if we let our guests go first. Emma, how would you rate this book and why? Yeah, so I'm going to give this book an 8.4 out of 10. And I really liked how Zahn built on the awesome foundation that he built in Chaos Rising because I really enjoyed Chaos Rising. It was like my favorite Thrawn book I'd ever read. And I didn't really think it could get better but at the same time you know the comfortability that we all have with the with the chis sort of i don't know structure of their culture and politics and all of that really made me just sort of 
dive deeper into the book and made me enjoy it more. So 8.4 out of 10 for me. Love it. Okay. Uh, Wes, what do you got, bud? I am going to give it an 8.5. I'm going to one up Emma. Um, <laughs> but I enjoyed it because I was able to follow it. Funny enough, not because uh, there are so many, there are so many different myth families there. There's Zodlac, and then there are so many different other families that are not a part of the nine ruling families. There's 40 other families, but there was more that have alliances with other of the nine uh, ruling families. So I was actually able to follow along. Um, so I enjoyed it because of the detail. And I also enjoyed it because of knowing that there was a, a sinister plot on their own soil while they were out trying to, uh, trying to find some other unknown enemy that they thought was not in the, in the Chiss homeworld. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Eric, what do you think? Um, I, this is going to sound made up. I'm going between two scores. So I'm going to split the difference. Uh, I'm going to give this an 8.75. And it's interesting because it's been a while since I've read this. As as I've said on the show before, I, because of the reviews I do, I read these books before they're even published. um, And I didn't get a chance to re-listen to this one. So it's been a while, right, since I've read this. But I remember reading this book and staying up really late to read it. It was one of those where I started going the last, you know, 60, 70 pages and just stayed awake um also rob dropped in hey rob bye rob he said hi (laughs) hasn't read the book yet um and i just remember this is when this book kind of became like we called a senate chaos rising kind of thrown game of thrones because of all the families and i realized even if i couldn't follow every single thing that was happening in every single plot line i just liked living in the political deceptive world of thrawn in this uh and i agree with emma the world building that was built upon is just so cool, and I I know we're gonna talk about it because Charles messaged me the second he finished about this. I liked the Grisk reveal as someone who did not care for treason or alliances. They're probably my, my two least favorite canon books. I was like, oh, you got me, Zon. <laughs> yeah. Like I appreciated it. It's like when a kid like steals something from you, but they get away with it, and you're like, respect, respect. <laughs> Does that happen to you often? <laughs> Not as often. No, because I, I catch them. That's right. Those That's right. Kids. <laughs> um, I love I love that you guys had so much appreciation for this book. For me, I'm going to rate it a little bit lower. So just heads up. And probably by the end of the second part of this, you will have convinced me to raise my score. But um, I'm going to give this book a 6.9. Okay. And that's kind sure. of a far cry from where y'all are rating it. The reason being. Nice. I think this book really excelled in certain areas and for me personally didn't do it in certain areas so like there were really really high highs and some low lows for me um i loved getting to see what is a normal chiss life out there someone who's not in you know the military someone who's not in the syndicure like lacfro right i thought that was yeah. awesome and that's a side of the chiss we've never seen but I, I did feel like this book was like unnecessarily convoluted and dense. And there was a lot of stuff that I felt like happened that was just there to confuse me until the reveals. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm coming at that from. Still fun. Um, still certainly a lot of fun. But that's why I'm rating it just a little bit lower. So. Well, it's funny because the way you put the, the, the recap up in your typing, 
That is not the order of the book. No, that, that was is chronological. The, order of the chronological events. Yes. Mm. Which because yes. Cheryl puts in the chat here, the memory chapters were, weren't as far in the past as they were in Chaos Rising. Yep. So it, that was a bit confusing for me as well to get into that. But so if, if anyone is confused, we hope that recap that Charles put together, you like copy and pasted in actual. <laughs> it's like it's like watching Clone Wars in season one, being like, yeah. oh, actually, this happens here. <laughs> this happens here. So good shot, good call on that. Yeah. So, okay, let's say going around the horn here. Did y'all read it or did you listen to it? Ooh, I yeah. read it. Good question. Okay. I read it. I start. I, I did about probably 70% read, 30% audio. Okay. okay. The audio, I, so, I will say I didn't, I stopped doing the audio because the, the audio books for these, I can't do them. There's too many names and there's too many characters and there's just too many voices and I, it's, doesn't do it for me. I, I read Zon much better than I listen to him. Agreed. Yeah, I was 100% okay. read. Okay. I read it while listening to Which it. Which is cool. So That's <laughs> a great way yeah. to do it. Yeah, I, love I basically that. Yeah. had, yeah, I basically we did as children. had somebody reading it to me. <laughs> but I would, I, would, I would constantly stop and then reread like the paragraph that they just went over so I could get a better understanding. So that's probably one of the reasons mm-hmm. that I was able to follow along a little better than I have been before. Yeah. And interesting. It's also hella, hella. And the way, the way you experience (laughs) these books (laughs) is definitely, it definitely colors, you know, what your rating is at the end. And some people are going to rate something higher if they read it versus they listen to it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's a great point to bring that up. Wes. Ooh, Maggie's Maggie supports you on that. She says that's her favorite way to read it. So I've never done that. I'm gonna have to do that eventually. Maybe that's I'll do awesome. that for lesser evil. Yeah, it's especially cool. if you do uh, like uh, the audio dramas and the scripts come out, and then you kind of redo it. Oh, that is like that'd be cool. peak experience right there. Those are yeah. something. Yeah, I could definitely see. Great that. point. Well, y'all, let's go ahead and start talking about some characters because I am trying to keep this roundtable to two parts this time around. <laughs> two so. parts. At least three parts are ridiculous. <laughs> yes, exactly. So. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the protagonists and who else could we start with other than Thrawn. And let's kind of kick this off by looking at a quote from Memory 7 when Kalori is talking to Jixtus. And yeah, Memory says, 7, let's go! Yeah. Love Memory 7! <laughs> and he says, again, with respect, sir, if you listen to me on anything, please listen to me on this. If Thrawn gets involved in this operation, it's over. And not in a good way. And so Thrawn was kind of typical Thrawn in this book, I think. And one of the biggest criticisms Thrawn has gotten in the past is that he's OP, right? He's overpowered. Mm-hmm. Did he feel that way in this book to y'all this time around? No. I don't think um, I think he's more powerful than Chaos Rising, but really he did less. Like he had he had less page time, I feel, if we mapped it out in this one. So he felt a little less all powerful. He did great stuff. But he didn't yeah. get that, that that annoying. There's like a level of annoying Thrawn. Yeah, that where yeah. he gets too bad. <laughs> didn't hit that here. Well, for me. I agree with that, and like I would be incredibly frustrated if I was a like a crew member because he's not telling you all the information that you need to know. He just wants you to see the big reveal at the end, right? He's just like, just watch. Wait, <laughs> you're like. Tell me what you want me to do. Like, nope. I just need to figure it out. Oh, damn, we're in. I want to know ahead of time. He'd be so mad. <laughs> he would might, He would lead like uh, an insurrection against Thrawn is what he would do. Absolutely. <laughs> and die. Yeah. yeah, Thrawn would see it coming the whole way. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. So 
so maybe he's not as overpowered. Maybe we just saw less of him in this book. Yeah. And I do, I really do think that we saw less of him in this book. Um, but I want to get to a, a quote that Simacro had on page 130 when he is thinking to himself, did Thrawn truly believe he was invincible? Did he think his logic and tactical sense were never wrong? And so a lot of people seem to think that about Thrawn, right? They think he's arrogant. Mm-hmm. They think he believes himself to be invincible. But what do you think about Thrawn? Because we don't get that much time in his head, right? Um, does he think that he's infallible here? You bring up an interesting point here because I now that you bring that up, I wish that we got more time in Thrawn's head. I want to know like the exact answer yeah. instead of just what I imagine is, is what he's feeling. Personally, the way I read into Thrawn, and I, I bet that we're all probably going to have different answers here, I bet that he doesn't think he's invincible. I bet that he, he knows that things can go wrong in war or battle situations. Uh, and, and I think that he's he's seen enough to the point where he knows that things can go wrong and that he can be wrong, that he's not always going to be right, despite the fact that like mm-hmm. he's been right a lot. And I think I think that if if we see more of that, we might kind of have a little bit less of that feeling like he's overpowered, right? Like if he fe- if we can see that more vulnerable side of Thrawn, maybe we wouldn't all see him as overpowered as he seems to be. I like that a lot. I, I, I totally agree. I think that Thrawn really seems that he respects the field of war. Right? He he's like, I know I put so much thought into it because I know what can happen. And I I think that if you ask Thrawn, like, oh, you're the greatest tactician alive, he'd be like, Well, no, I'm not as great and he would like list a bunch of people that he thinks are better than him. Mm-hmm. And I think he's just like we we the mission was a success. Now on to the next one. I don't think it really his own legacy, I don't think ever really comes into play because he wasn't born into the system. He sucks at politics. We learned that in Chaos Rising. Yeah. 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 I think he's he's incredibly confident in his in his ability to learn from other cultures, right? So, but he yeah. doesn't. He's not, you know, he's not like uh, flamboyant about it. Or he's not overbearing with it. So he knows he does know different tactics that he can use or information that he can use in his in his in his tactics that other people don't. But he doesn't he doesn't rub it in their face i mm-hmm. guess you could say yeah <laughs> i mean i i truly think that in this book especially if you asked thrawn later down, later throughout the years about what happened during this event he would just tell you all about the things that like lakinda did and the things that like the success of like the other people cuz i think mm-hmm. he finds himself to be a facilitator of other people's abilities yeah maybe that might be reading into a little more of his character from the last book, but yeah, I think that follows his relationship here. with Thalius and, and Cherry definitely, definitely support that. I think. And Emma, I love that point that yeah. you brought up, but it's almost, it's almost like a double edged sword with Thrawn, like to mm. crawl into his head more, which we did in, uh, in alliances and treason more so than in these books to humanize him. It, it almost like detracts from his greatness and like his right, mysteriousness, yeah. but like you also want to know what he's thinking. So it's, mm-hmm. it's tough. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of Lakinda that she brought up, Eric on page three sixty three, she had her own thoughts about Thrawn and she was wondering, was Thrawn willing to die for the ascendancy? And she decided that she didn't know. And maybe that was yet another way that the two of them were different. So I'm curious what y'all think about this. We talk a lot about Thrawn's, 
allegiance, right? His ultimate allegiance. Is Thrawn willing to die for the ascendancy? And if not, does he need to be? I haven't seen that. I haven't seen him be put in a position where he would sacrifice himself um, for the greater good of his ascendancy. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I haven't, I don't think I've seen it yet. Um, So, I mean, only the future will tell. Yeah, I think that at the end of this book, which which is what I find to be the the most exciting part when we kind of get the burgeoning Chiss Civil War, which I, I guarantee, I can't guarantee, I assume is going to be a large <laughs> part of lesser evil, right? I think that, that kind of exploding over and, and boiling over, um, which is awesome, which is clearly what Zahn has been building on and was great. But in that moment, it seemed like Thrawn was he didn't want the ascendancy to fall to itself. And he was like, I will do this crazy plan, but none of his plans ever involve his own death. I think that he is loyal and he is, but he is not a fanatic, like a politician that like the ascendancy above all this, because he's not the ascendancy above mercy. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not going to just be a Mm. bloody tyrant. If the higher ups say so, because he, he will admit when the ascendancy does things wrong. But being a moral compass, as we've seen in the real world, doesn't mean that you don't love the thing and you don't sacrifice for the thing. So, ultimately, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wuss out a little bit and say, well, Weston, I don't think we've seen it yet. I don't think we know. <laughs> You're saying I wussed out <laughs> on my answer. Oh, sorry, that's sorry, I, I misspoke. You wet, you west out. <laughs> oh, that's better. That's so better. I'm, Strong answer. I'm gonna West. play devil's advocate here for a second. So. Going back to the title, I find it interesting that, Wes, you brought up the title. I'm going to bring it up again here. So in my mind, I interpreted the title as at the end of the book, uh, you know, with the Civil War about to start and Thrawn sort of for the greater good of the Ascendancy decides to make up this crazy plan to stop it, right? And that to me Mm -hmm. says, okay he's willing to put a lot on the line for the ascendancy. Is that the same as willing to die for the ascendancy? That's the question because he used those remote control, you know, sort of ships to sort of stop it. He didn't put his himself on the line or his reputation on the line yet. The plan could have gone really wrong. So, you know, is he willing to die for the ascendancy? Like you guys said, we haven't seen that yet, but is he willing to, work as hard as he can to make sure that the ascendancy is stable so that therefore his family, the myth family is stable. Yeah. I think we've seen that. Yeah. And we have some really good points in the chat here too. Cause, um, Blanfain's brought up that he says, I feel like if anything, Thrawn probably feels the ascendancy holding him back. And in spice Den makes a great point. I think he finds the syndicure specifically holds mm-hmm. him back more than the ascendancy. I think that's a I great agree. point yeah. too, is that, Thrawn yeah. values the military structure and his comrades and his um, compatriots. I mean, he has the whole thing with the Magus is about being like, hey, don't die. Like, he's trying to like say, don't die for this. This is not worth Your death will, will do nothing for them. All this death will serve no purpose. So if we're using that logic, well, I think he would probably also attribute that to his own death. You know, my death would not serve a purpose. My life would. Mm-hmm. It's tactical. Yeah, he is that. That's my new answer. I I found as I spoke it. <laughs> I like it. I like all those points. And you know, maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm not giving Thrawn enough credit here, but 
a lot. He has a lot of detractors. Maybe I'm among their number. I don't know. But his detractors tend to have kind of two big negative things that they always bring up about him, right? And the first one we saw in this book on page 125 with the quote, Thrawn's exaggerated concern for aliens and alien worlds that the ascendancy had no business caring about was both a joke and a curse. And I'm, I'm curious, we keep getting this plot point thrown at us over and over and over again. The people hate how concerned Thrawn is with aliens. But how can the Chiss continue to have this stance when he's just successfully neutralized multiple alien threats to the ascendancy? Well, you know, I, I think that he's the only one that's thinking ahead. Like, in, in the military, mm-hmm. nobody's thinking ahead like, okay, in the future there could be these alien threats out there that threaten us because they're not threatening them right now. So why should they care about them right now? Right. When Thrawn cares mm-hmm. about them right now. And... They don't like that he succeeds, and he succeeds because he thinks ahead. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he is the epitome of big picture thinking. Like, so many of them are like, we're fine. We've always been fine. We've always been powerful. I mean, it's mm-hmm. Zahn isn't, isn't exactly breaking new ground here as far as historical conflicts go. You know, in all of human human history, it's been... We're too big to fail. No one will attack us. The sun will never set on the British Empire. And then the sun did, man, Mm -hmm. like pretty hard on all (laughs) of them. So, you know, I think that's just the nature of human and chis alike. Yeah, It it just seems wild to me. And I know no like preemptive strikes and stuff like that. That's the Chiss ascendancy rule, right? But like Thrawn is like, hey, there's some angry people headed this way. And they're like, no, 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 it's cool. It's cool. And he's like, no, no, no. But they got like really big guns and stuff. And like, they're not here yet, though. They are not here yet, though. It's fine. I can't see them. It's not fine. It is not fine. Um, It drives me nuts. You know what? I think actually all the aliens are just a metaphor for climate change. (laughs) Is this a sequel to the day after tomorrow? Yeah, dude, it's coming. <laughs> nah, I don't think it is. Guys, we're all going to die. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the second well thing. Well done, Zahn. Well done. The second thing that all of Thrawn's detractors say about him. Uh, in this book, we see it on page 371 from Simacro, who says, Senior Captain Thrawn never plays politics because he doesn't know how to play politics. And I'm, I'm curious what y'all think. Did Thrawn prove this point? wrong to any degree in this book by tricking all the chis families into fighting against each other because doesn't it take some understanding of how family politics work to make that happen it's military still i think it's he's like oh if there's a threat here then the alliance will have to do i I still think he's clueless his politics. Okay. Not in a bad way, in like a cute way. Like I love you, buddy. <laughs> and we've said before <laughs> and we've said before he needs a weakness. So right, it's not a bad yeah. thing. Yeah. I feel I feel the same. I think he is so militarily minded that even the political the political game is something that he, he doesn't and what if he did care about like the politics? Would that make his his military mind wor- like diminished mm. if he it, didn't spend most of his time trying to figure out all these tactics and going through like cultures and art to figure out how some like probably their military tactics would be. If he had so, to make yeah, room upstairs to, I mean, for that information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of like how I did with this book. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you know, you got, whenever you have to throw in a variable of some kind, it makes you less effective. I mean, like Cheryl just says in the chat here, you know, across both legends and canon, Thrawn cares about the Chiss and the Ascendancy above all else, right? He It's why he joins the Empire to defeat threats against the Ascendancy. So he's seen the bigger picture, 
Because if you bring in the family politics to all this, we see it in this book. They sacrifice greater effectiveness for the ascendancy as a whole in order to satisfy, like, family squabbles. And I think if Thrawn had to take a, a, a second to consider the family squabbles, then he wouldn't make the split-second decisions that he has to to protect the entire ascendancy, which I think pisses a lot of people off. Clearly, like you said, Charles, it's, mm-hmm. his detractors hit on this. But I think to do anything else for him just seems completely illogical. I mean, regarding his political prowess, I mean, if we go back all the way to when he was uh, brought into the Myth family, the only reason he was brought into the Myth family was because of his military expertise. And they knew that he was going to be a star someday and they wanted him in his family. So he's never really had to worry about politics because the only reason... It's like when Joe Burrow went from OSU to LSU. <laughs> it was like, he's going to suck here. Let's bring him here. We don't care how good he is at math. He just has to be football. Exactly. That It's a great metaphor for, for people that know what you're talking about. And I do. But, you. but you know, yeah. for, for sports people, it's it's a sports reference. And, uh, and it, it works. It totally works. Like, you don't need this political genius on your side if you want just someone that is like a great military tactician because why would you need both you just you know just get a genius in one yeah, yeah. now i'm worried about thrawn's knee Good point. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right he can still command uh the spring hawk with an acl tear or whatever it's gonna be okay <laughs> that's right <laughs> all right well i want to end this discussion on thrawn with this Absolutely wonderful exchange from page 401 involving Bakif and Samacro. And it goes like this. You don't like Thrawn, do you, mid-captain? Samacro hesitated. Permission to speak honestly, sir? Certainly. No, sir, I don't, Samacro said. I don't think he understands how anything outside the fleet works, and I don't think he's very good at inspiring his officers and warriors. He pushes things to the edge, takes liberties with orders, and generally acts in a manner that previous generations of fleet officers would find disgraceful. He seemed to brace himself. But that doesn't really matter. He's an excellent commander, and he knows how to handle his ship. Even his most outrageous hunches are generally proved correct, and he always brings us through whatever storms we find ourselves in. Always. So Thrawn has his detractors, right? But even his detractors who are close enough mm-hmm. to him to, to truly understand a bit more about him have this tremendous amount of respect for him. Right? What are y'all's thoughts yeah. on this passage? Sounds like Samacro is he's part of the he's part of the group that cares about the end game and not about how they got there. So he um he sees that that Thrawn creates results or he makes results and he 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 has wins and he doesn't lose. So um how he got there is is pretty much irrelevant what he's saying in the first part of this. Yeah. Um and he and he shows that just because that he's He's not inspiring his officers, and he's not he's pushing things to the edge. That means that he's he's making those types of sacrifices, if you will, um, to be uh, to get to be at the very end as a as as the winner. Yeah, to kind of like bring it back to another a different sports metaphor. It's kind of how you hear people talk about Michael Jordan sometimes. You know, like Ooh. he didn't care about making his teammates feel good. He didn't care about following the system. But at the end of the day. He won, and that pissed a lot of people off. Even like again, his general mm-hmm. manager when the Bulls like I'm assuming we're going to see a, a Chicago Bulls esque 
you know, breakdown of the chist. But it is very off-putting to some people. The people closest to him, like Thaleus, like really know him and really love him and really get it. But for someone that is that focused on a single goal, it can be off-putting for people that don't have that 100% focus. And I I really loved um, being nasty asked if am I the only one who thought Thurfian was way more likable in this book. I did as well. All the stuff with like Thurfian, Bakif, Samgar, all the conversations about Thrawn were so cool in this book for that reason because when you're not a goat, when you're not a genius, you will talk about them in ways that try to provide understanding, but you'll never get there. I got to know, in this, in this metaphor of yours, who is Dennis Rodman? <laughs> oh, jeez. Sam Crow, actually, probably. Sam Crow, he seems a little crazy to me. All right. I like it. I like it. Emma. No, Rodman's a grisk. Yeah. <laughs> he really might be. Or he's be. happily if he keeps touching everyone, like, stop it. Oh, man. Yeah, he really might be. Emma, do you have anything to add on this passage? Not really. I really agree with uh, with what Wes said. I mean, some people just care about the end result rather than how you got there. And I feel like the syndicure yeah. and people in the military care more about how it was done. And maybe that's not the right mm-hmm. way to go about it because there's people like Thrawn that don't really care for the procedure. And then there's other people like, I don't know, maybe maybe some macro or uh, I don't know, that, that care more about how it's done than the end result. Yeah. Sorry, Steven in the chat now says Thrawn Ascendancy, The Last Dance. Which, now, I would pay so much money for an ESPN Disney plush collaboration of a 30 for 30 on Thrawn. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> just make a special book jacket for it and then put it over and this. I'd pay $150 for it. Thrawn is Do just it. like. Do it out of print. Thrawn is just like in the middle of a battle against the Grisk and he has the flu, but he's still like commanding the battleship through it. Yeah, that would be, yeah. That would be pretty killer. The flu, that's what it was. We all know what it was. Yeah. All right. And then Yiv the, the, ben- <laughs> the Benevolent is like, I don't care about your art. And Thrawn's like, and I took that personally. <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> yeah. And I made it up. Thank you to The Last Dance on Netflix yes. for sponsoring this episode of The Living Force. The Last Dance. It's really good. All right. Well, let's move on from Thrawn and Michael Jordan. And <laughs> let's talk about Thalius. And Corey's not here, so all the sports fans are running amok. Yes. <laughs> I want to I talk about Thalius, but I want to start by reminding us kind of how Thalius became involved in this story to begin with, because it's pretty unique, right? She initially sure. was just trying to gain passage aboard Thrawn's ship as an observer, which is like a right offered to all the Myth family members. Um, and it's because she'd had these earlier experiences with Thrawn back when she was a Skywalker. Now, she got repeatedly denied, 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 and then it was Thurfian, who we just brought up, who got her basically aboard the ship as Cherry's caretaker, and it was supposed to be in exchange for her like spying on Thrawn, more or less for him, but really, she's become one of Thrawn's biggest allies, and even though her role in some ways, I think, was reduced in this book compared to what she did in Chaos Rising, she still played a pretty major factor in a lot of the Chiss relations with the mages. And so I'm I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on her relationship specifically with the mages? Hmm. I I kind of took it like the mages saw females as a uh like as a, the leader as a, or as a leader within a group. Um, 
in a sort of way, not not totally, but um, that was kind of one of the reasons why she had to um, come and talk to her when they were on Rapak. Is that where they were at when they, originally when they were refugees? I think so. So, um, yeah. So that, I mean, it was strange. Yes, it was. But she was able, she did know like that language that they, that they jointly spoke, but wasn't their, it wasn't their, uh, their, their normal spoken language that they usually have. So she was pretty good at that. So that's one of the reasons why. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was odd. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I mean, the Magus was odd, period. Yeah, indeed. totally. She's, she's like, I need to die now. That's <laughs> it. End of story. Well, you know, when they put her in that little that that box and left it in Thalia's room, I found it interesting that Thalia's had to cover up the little window with a blanket. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah. I can't blame her. I wouldn't have been able to look at that either. Like, you know, watching me sleep at night. <laughs> but you know, I found it interesting that it seemed like Thalia's had a respect for her, but at the same time, didn't respect her choice in terms of telling her people to go die. Yeah, and it it was interesting for me to to read those because because Thalius, um, well Cheryl took the took the words out of my mouth. Th- Cheryl just said word for word. Thalia stepped up to the plate again in this book and just continues to be great. Mm, I thought yeah. she totally did. Like you said, Charles, there was less page time, but every time she came up, I was very excited. You know, there's 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 not a ton of characters that I just get like stoked, you know, stoked talking about when they come on on the page. But I thought that her experience with the Matus was interesting for all the reasons you guys said, and because her idol essentially has been Thrawn, has been this tactician who values life and who values the continuation of the ascendancy and all these things. And then she comes face to face with this almost completely 180 of a person that just wants to die for her people, which is, seems to be the antithesis of Thrawn. So for Thalius to kind of weigh both of those in her daily life, like... What a trip. And I think she handles it very well, all the while also taking care of Cherry and going in those, like, really cramped. Like, I like how the the, the room that she was in wasn't meant for caretakers, so she was just really uncomfortable. Like, those little things that, that Zahn puts in, I really like. How he, he's like, oh, and the, the the paper was a bit coarse. Or, like, the room was a bit too small. Like, that really makes the, mm-hmm. it feel very lived in. So just a quick shout-out to Zahn's writing there. These The details with Thalias' surroundings were very good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now that you said that, Emma, I've been thinking of, I'm thinking of Lennon just sitting there as a dead, just sitting there dead, where everybody go and view this person for months and <laughs> months and months and months. It's like carbonite, but worse because you can actually see like yes, their totally. person. See him yeah. actually. Like, True. No thanks. <laughs> nope. Not well, for me. You no. know, Wes, you brought up that the Magus and Thales kind of had that relationship because the Magus obviously is the head of like a matriarchal society. And so she was kind of looking for a, a connection within the Chiss ascendancy, you know, with another female and Thrawn decided to take that one step further and to basically tell his whole crew, Hey, pretend Thales has like a higher status among the Chiss than she actually does. And some of the Chiss, including Simacro, probably chiefly Simacro, fought back against that and really mm-hmm. didn't like that. And I thought that was a really interesting little subplot to kind of throw in there that Zahn did. And I'm curious, how do you think Thalius handled that, having to have actual backlash from her own people among her own ship that she's worked next to for you know all of Chaos Rising? I, I just want to say, because I want to hear, Wes and Emma, your thoughts on this one. 
Uh, I just got confused because Samacro, I just kept saying Sam Crow, which is the gang in Sons of Anarchy. So I always imagined him with a leather vest. <laughs> it was uh, I way more distracting than I ever thought it would be. But it made me be like, this guy is a tough guy, only because I thought of Sons of Anarchy. That's all I want to add on that. Evan West, would you guys Thank think you. about that? Yeah, we can really we can really uh, segue off <laughs> of that real well. Pick, Thank yeah, you. that up and run with it. And that. <laughs> I thought she handled it very well because it, it sounds like she didn't abuse her power at all. Um, she was, I mean, there were a couple of times where she would like come onto the bridge, but she was supposed to be there, right? And then whenever, um. Whenever the Magus, because Magus wasn't on the ship for very long whenever they put her into hibernation, right? So mm -hmm. um, by the time that that she was awake, um, I think Thalia's handed it very well. For the time that she was awake. I like that. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Thrawn was like, you got to go back to sleep, by the way. <laughs> yeah. She's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and real fast uh, before we throw it to Emma, Cheryl and Steven almost put it at the exact same time. Uh Martel, the Magus, in addition to the, the authority that she gave, also recognized that Thalius had used the Forest as a Skywalker, so she sensed mm -hmm. that yes. uh, in terms of our earlier our earlier conversation about their connection. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was interesting. Yeah, I, I think Thalius handled her role well. However, you know, I felt kind of like this deep sense of, like, awkwardness for her because she she wasn't expecting to be thrown into like playing a part <laughs> of of commander of the mm -hmm. ship and so i did right. feel bad for her it's not like she was prepared for that but you know I, I think she handled it well i don't think you know on the other hand i don't think that the the crew handled it very well uh, some acro right. especially um you know it, it's one of those things where if you're part of thrawn's crew you gotta kind of expect that things are gonna be weird and you gotta play your part and if he you really didn't be my crewmate sorry <laughs> yes, yes! <laughs> give in dive 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 <laughs> so yeah i mean you just gotta kind of play your part and and i think i think Dolly's handled it well others not so much <laughs> i agree Truth. i agree uh yeah, it's like it's like uh, taking a test that you haven't studied for, or doing a round table that. Like, <laughs> oh, what's right. that like? Uh, That's back a specific in the day. example. Back in the day. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, despite Thales having kind of a smaller role in this book, in my mind, she had one really shining moment, and that was when she revealed to Thrawn that Thraki, the Myth family patriarch, had told her in Chaos Rising, and I quote. Watch over your commander. I cannot help but feel that he holds the key to the Ascendancy's future, whether that future be triumph or ultimate destruction. Right? That was a huge moment in Chaos Rising, uh, where the, the myth yeah. family patriarch basically entrusted Thalius with watching over Thrawn without his knowledge. But she decided to share that with Thrawn in this book. And it was in a moment that Thrawn was trying to keep some cards close to his chest. And hearing that, he shared more of his thoughts with her. So I'm curious, how did y'all view this exchange and how did it change how you view that relationship between Thrawn and Thalius? They're besties, man. <laughs> like there's like, I love that friendship so much. I want Thrawn and Aralani to go to more art museums and go on dates. And then I want him to go <laughs> afterwards and, and, and Thalius is like, so how'd it go? He's like, well, 
She wore blue. <laughs> Thrawn, no, buddy, buddy, how did it go? What you like? I just love their growing relationship. Like, Thrawn is so closed off so many times, and I think he, you can tell that he feels, I guess, protected by her, and and he can divulge things to her in a way that he, mm. I don't think he even conceived he would be able to. Based on how he was raised, so it's it's really nice. Cheryl says this is the best part of the book for her, and I I agree. It's one of my favorite moments. Yeah, I find it interesting that you know technically Thallius isn't part of the military and not tech not technically part of his crew. I mean, yeah, she's a caregiver, but you know she's not really in on like the military secrets. And so I find it interesting that Thrawn chooses her to sort of uh, be his confidant. And I like that. I think it shows that um, because Theraki trusted her uh, with that information, Thrawn can too. And now he feels comfortable enough to sort of maybe lift some of the burden off of his mind. You know, he holds so many secrets in and I think that Thalias, you know, might be there for him to sort of to help support him in, in many of these decisions. Yeah. Yeah, I love that moment, too. I think y'all make some great points about it. I want to, though, look from this moment and look a little bit into the future here because, you know, I brought up Simacro not really being the biggest fan of Thalius. And on page 402, we kind of get in detail uh, that Simacro is plotting against Thalius. And so it's a bit of a longer passage, but I'm going to read it here. And it goes like this. What was bothering him more was that, as far as he could tell, there hadn't been a peep out of anyone regarding the nonsense story he'd given Thalius. And there should have been. The soap bubble he'd spun to her about Sunrise being the last stand fortress for the Nicardan remnant should have been screamed from the assembly cupola by now. There should have been outrage and scorn and syndics calling for Thrawn's head in a bucket for even entertaining such a ridiculous notion. Instead, there was nothing. Did that mean Thalius wasn't a spy after all? Samacra scowled. Of course not. All it meant was that she or her controller had decided to sit on the story, waiting for a better opportunity to hang it around Thrawn's neck. But that time would come, and when it did, Thalius would finally be unmasked, and she would very much regret it. Because her betrayal wouldn't just be an attack on Thrawn, it would be an attack on the entire expansionary defense fleet. That was something that simply couldn't be allowed to happen. So let them wait. Let them plot and scheme. Let them choose the time and place. Whenever it was, Samakra would be waiting. So, wow, clearly Samakra's got it out for Thalius. Um, yeah, a little bit. Where, do, where does that animosity <laughs> you don't come say. from? Where, where does that come from? And furthermore, I'm curious, do you anticipate that Thalius may become collateral damage from Thrawn's expected downfall in the final book of this trilogy? Mm. I do now. <laughs> yeah. I mentioned it. <laughs> Hadn't, yeah. I mean... I think Samacro kind of feels that Thalius isn't military and shouldn't be involved on the on the ship or with any of the any of the plans and any of the battles. Uh, so he he's like he always points out he's like you're just a caregiver, right? But Thalius always comes back with the caregiver. He says she says it mostly to Thrawn, but says the caregiver looks over the Skywalker, and if anything happens to the Skywalker, then y'all are all <laughs> effed. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's weird how it's it, it's he's kind of like a he's kind of like an older man set in his ways that doesn't like new things that come about. Okay, boomer. When I can look at it. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Anyway, you look like you had something on the tip of your yeah, tongue. Yeah. So I think, and this is, this it might be totally wrong, but the way I kind of see it is Thrawn or Samacro kind of has some animosity towards Thrawn because Thrawn took over his command. And he sees Thalius as as uh, the person that Thrawn goes to his confidant when when probably it should be Samacro. And so I think there might be a little bit of jealousy that's causing the animosity. Yeah, and and Samacro has such a good ego mm. on him, right? So it's like the the only reason I could have been passed up for this is because she has something else. She's a spy. There's something nefarious going on because I am great. So who would not like me, you know? And I think there's definitely, that you put it that way, Emma, that makes total sense to me. And unfortunately, it does seem like he is sowing the seeds. Zahn is sowing the seeds. Is, you know, putting that for Samacro to take it a little too far. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, Cheryl also makes another great point. Also, Cheryl is our resident Thrawn expert. I think it was said a couple months ago, yeah. <laughs> all Thrawn things, tag Cheryl in Discord repeatedly. Um says that this all comes from the chist culture of th- of cutthroat politics. It's it is absolutely like there have been like secret deaths. There have been people playing games and Smacro is like I will ascend, if you will, literally. And that's the only thing he knows. Yeah. He knows betrayal. He knows lying. He knows deceit in order to get a spot at the table. So why wouldn't he I guess transpose that? Onto his new rival, and God, now I'm just gonna be worried now to the fall that, she, <laughs> yeah, thanks. She Charles. is gonna become collateral damage of that so, because he's gonna get so blinded by it. Yeah, so he thinks Thalius must be coming for him in all of this because that's what he's used to. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And he's what? So I guess some macro. He's Ufsa. Hmm. Is that would that be his family? Something like that. I think that's one of them. Yeah, I think so. And we right. don't know that much about them. I guess that I can recall. Anyways, maybe we'll get more. But are they part of the nine? Uh, I want to say they are, but maybe not. I think, I think so. They are. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I remember seeing. But them I want to talk about part. a member of another family we got to learn a lot about in this novel, and that's the Zodlak family. And I want to talk about Lakinda. So yeah, you know, some of the other female characters in this book who we got a lot more time with in Chaos Rising had smaller roles in this book, but Lakinda kind of took all that time. Ugh. Like she really stepped up yeah. to the forefront as an officer from the Zodlak family. And on page 91, we, we see her talking about what it means to be a member of the Zodlak family. And it's where a lot of her motivation comes from in this book. And she says this honor and glory to the family. That was the Zodlak watchword these days, not just the slogan, but the single most important goal for all who called themselves by the Zodlak name. And Lakinda had now failed twice in a row to earn that glory. She felt a knot in her stomach. The first blow had been at their last skirmish with the Nicardin, where ultimately battle damage to the Greystrike's thrusters had robbed her of her part in the final cleanup operation. That had left the Vigilant and Springhawk to gather those last bits of glory. Now she'd been taken out of the final climactic battle against the remnants of General Yov's forces in order to play messenger. It wasn't due to any ulterior motives on Aralani's part. Of that, Lakinda had no doubt. It was inconceivable that a flag officer would have deliberately skewed the battle results that way. Aralani had no family honor to satisfy, no family alliances to defend, no family ambitions to promote. She had nothing to gain by siphoning off Zodlak honor to herself. Thrawn, though, was a different story. 
Everybody blames Thrawn for everything, yo. Um, <laughs> does this... Well, real, real, I, I see this next question. I just want to say real quick. Yeah. This is such a great snapshot of the difference between women and men because we just talked about how Sam Crow is like, oh, this, you know what? This doesn't make sense, but she must be out for me. And the kid is like, of course she's not out for me. <laughs> that makes no sense. Like, she is so much more logical and measured than he's like, and she's like i'm also raised in the great chess military but i will think for five seconds thank you for pointing that yes. out because i was thinking funny. that the entire time it's interesting that we go from <laughs> samacro to lakinda who you know the difference is just so clear and obvious and i love it yes yeah and they're both raised in the same right? system like they're both lifetime chess absolutely so. absolutely love that. so then uh, you know Piggybacking off of that, does this view help to explain some of the animosity towards Thrawn from among his own colleagues as opposed to his superiors? Like, do they feel like he's stealing their glory? Is that what it comes down to? Well, so this is interesting. I mentioned in the review mm-hmm. video that Lakinda was my favorite character in this whole book. I-, I found her to be so intriguing, so interesting. Uh, her command style, her loyalty to her family, but also to the ascendancy. It's just so great. And I feel like her relationship with Thrawn, it might be that they hold the same position, right? They command, they each command a ship. But Thrawn gets a lot more of the credit and and say, I guess, in what they do and what their missions are like. And I, I feel like maybe maybe she might think that, yeah, like he, he is stealing the spotlight. I have good ideas too, but... Thrawn is always kind of the go-to guy for this type of stuff, and, and I don't get to have my opinions heard. Yeah, good point. I like that. Also, it's a great time. We have we somehow have not plugged yet. Uh, Emma did do the, the video review on this book, so if you missed that the first time around, it's on this YouTube channel later uh, earlier on in this feed. And of course, like all Emma's videos, it was fan freaking tastic. And you, if you need more like Kinda love other than what we're about to talk about. Uh, click on Thank that you. and then like it and then yes. leave a comment on how great it is. Thank you. Um, so anyway, Wes, you were talking before I was plugging. I just agreed with Emma's comment that it was good. Eric. <laughs> it was good. It was real good. <laughs> it was good. It's good. Uh, but no, I don't. I mean, so I think I don't know if they feel that they they're stealing the glory. Isn't Thrawn like isn't he a higher level in the military than they are? Are they on the same level? Senior captain is higher than where uh, yeah, actually a good is question. right now. I think aren't they both? Let me senior check captains? the beginning of the book. I thought I thought that maybe since they were both commanding okay. a ship, it was the same. But you, yeah, you could be. You might. I think be they kind of here. both work for Aralani. Technically, isn't that how it works? But yeah. Thrawn yeah, is yeah, just yeah. like yeah they're, yeah, they're both senior captain, which is one. Yeah, it goes senior captain, then below them is mid captain, and yeah, okay, Aralani's an admiral, right? Yeah. So she's quite a bit yes. above them. Yes. So that that's kind of tough to say. So you might think that Aralani ha- is giving some kind of preferential treatment of Thrawn because they're part of the same family. Yeah, right? and Thrawn um, has a, a ten- technically a better ship than Lakinda, even though they're the same rank. Like he's the the flagship. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I mean, I could you could definitely see it that way. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I would be I would be mad when when Charles and I um, show up and Charles drives away in his BMW and I have to. Put away in my, you know, my I shape. drive a Your Subaru. Flintstone foot car. <laughs> I drive a Subaru Forester, sir. Uh, 
Yeah, Charles, you're in long, residency. Charles. You will not forever drive a Subaru, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I I think it's interesting though to think um, that they are on the same like they are on the same level. So I I get where Lakin is coming from, right? Because Arlani and Thrawn have that relationship that goes back further not the relationship you want it to be necessarily mm-hmm. eric um but they have history <laughs> dude no maggie was with me earlier in the chat we, need, we did not get enough thrawn aralani chip we need more dates lesser evil yes. i hope that we will have not lesser but more so of the date yes. romance <laughs> of thrawn and aralani thrawalani ara thrawn or whatever Thrawn-Alani? I'm not scrolling up to figure out what y'all called it. Thrawalani. I remember y'all. I remember y'all oh, yeah, talking Thralani. about that in the first book. But it, was but it makes God, sense then. It makes date. sense then, right? Lakinda <laughs> should be on par with Thrawn, but it doesn't even feel like she really mm-hmm. is in this book. So yeah. I mean, that's where she. That's where she's coming from. But despite those yeah. feelings, throughout this novel, Lakinda comes to better understand Thrawn, and in the end, she actually chooses to stand by him rather than by her own family, which was a really, really cool moment and a huge moment of growth. And we get this on page 362. It says, Lakinda took a deep breath. She had so badly wanted this, so badly wanted to bring honor to the Zodlak family, and in doing so, bring honor unto herself. Instead, she was poised to bring ruin on everything. And so it was in that moment that Lakinda decided to work with Thrawn to trick the Chiss families, including the Zodlak family that she was a part of, uh, you know, into leaving the, the Agbui planet alone. Um, and yeah. in doing that, she was caught, right? And she was removed from command. What did you guys think about that? She she put Thrawn above her own family. Justice she for Lakinda. Bring honor. Justice for Lakinda. Now I just want a bunch of chips being like, she'll bring honor to us. They'll bring <laughs> honor to us. She'll bring honor to us all. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the the, the Thrawn Mulan musical mashup. Pretty, this is pretty good. Thank you very much, Wes. Uh, <laughs> but no, in all honesty, that, that, was, that was a great moment. That was mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, it, it's it's the mm-hmm. emotional, political climax of the book. And for this character that was given so much in this novel, agreed, Emma, justice for Lakinda, more pages for Lakinda. I loved how deep that was to her. Because as we said earlier, like, she has lived in this political and military hierarchy for her whole life. Like, she has not known Thrawn her whole life. So she had the wherewithal to put all of her career, her reputation aside for the good of the larger ascendancy, which is something mm-hmm. we so far have only really seen Thrawn do. So we talked earlier, is she on the same level as Thrawn in rank? I think at that point she was on Thrawn's level of morality. And I think for as readers, that is when she really ascended in this book. Mm, that's the greater good she did it for the greater good of the ascendancy not for her family and i think i think that was the the moment where you know yeah she did go for the family emergency to command those family ships but at the same time she also knows when enough is enough and when a plot you know sort of thickens and, and things get out of hand and and she knows when to do the right thing and i really like that about her yeah and what is yeah. Star Wars was, if not about found families over blood and or chiss? Yeah. You know, like leaving the family that raised you or controls you because of what's right is about as Star Wars as anything can be. Yeah. Yeah, and you can tell she was much more intelligent, even though she was part of the families that went to go over there and try to 
um, conquer that that mind of the Nyaks. I mean, she was much more confident and she was much more intelligent than the other families that were there. They were like, no, it's mine. I'm going to take it over. It's for me, me, yeah. me, me. And you're like, what are we really here for, dude? <laughs> yeah. You know, and then you hit him with the dude. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I love the point that you brought up, Emma. And specifically, I think the moment was on page 379 when we saw her put the ascendancy above her own family. And it, and it came from when they're in this battle and she was telling all the people that were on her ship, like, set up shots, you know, for everyone to knock out these, what they thought were the alien ships. And, um, you know, someone asks her, like, set up the shots for who? And she says, you know, for whichever damn ship is in position. And she says, just remember, we're all Chiss. Zodlak, Aragal, Pomrio, we're all Chiss. And so that's We like, are all the Chissublic. Yes. That's right. <laughs> that's it. So that I thought that was a pretty great moment. And I'm curious if more Chiss got a chance to work alongside Thrawn, like Lakinda did in this book, do you think they'd begin to respect him as well? Mm, interesting question. Yeah. I think I think so. I-, I think Thrawn is like misunderstood. He's like it's like um yeah, it's like during recess everybody gossips about this one person and all you kind of hear is the gossip, right? Uh, you know, everybody mm-hmm. hears just the bad stuff about Thrawn, but when you work with Thrawn, you kind of see some of those the inner workings of his of his brain and sort of how he thinks about military tactics and realize like okay, he's not as bad as people say. He's not trying to sabotage the ascendancy as people say. And so to answer your question, I think absolutely if more people had the chance to work alongside him, they'd have more respect for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the eternal question, right? Is that anyone in any walk of life, if you spend time with another person, you're going to respect them more. You'll respect their way of life. It, it's the the terror of online anonymity, right? Is that you can say anything you want to a screen or to a person you've never met or about a group of people you don't know. And then you spend five minutes with them and you're like, Oh, okay. You know, and it's, it's just that in a little kind of mm-hmm. microcosm here. Yeah. And not only are they going to respect them more, I mean, they're going to learn too, right? Yeah. It's almost like, um, like if you want to get better at something, you, you hang out or you share whatever activity you're doing with somebody who's better at it than you are yeah so you can learn from how they do it and how how they learned to do it and how they got better and so ultimately you can teach somebody below you or has a a lesser knowledge of whatever you're doing so um he's he should be he should be there teaching all these these uh subordinates if you will um to to be better and then rise up and in their military ranks. Yeah. If Thrawn had been teaching at the Chiss Academy on wherever, if he was the main one, the Chiss would have overtaken the galaxy eons ago. Like, or the students would be, <laughs> or that, <laughs> <laughs> but look at this vase. <laughs> I want to shoot a blaster. Look at the line work. God, damn it. <laughs> it would be, he would totally Miyagi everybody. He would teach them all to sweep the yeah. floor. And then all of a sudden they know how to do karate. <laughs> Yes, a hundred percent. I hate Professor Raw Nurodo's class. Yes. A little wax on, <laughs> wax off action. Why are we waxing the spring hawk? Um, 
<laughs> All right. Well, let's leave it there, y'all. We still have a few characters that we got to talk about. We're gonna uh, we're gonna hit Hapleaf, who is a big part of this book. Of course, we're gonna talk about Jixthus, and of course, we're gonna talk about Kalori, who is like my favorite dude ever. Um, and then we've still got our overarching <laughs> questions and Easter eggs to go through, but we're going to hit all that next week. So for now, I'm going to kick it back to Eric. All right, man. Good deal. And of course, we got Thurfee in as well, just for where you're putting that highlight in, in the outlet yes. for next week. Um, quick Thurf. Quick Thurf. Uh, a lot of bad people in this book. But y'all, <laughs> thank you for hanging out for the first part of this. Of course, this book, there's so much in this book, and there's so much to talk about in it and, and it really just shows how much Zahn is creating with it and we just want to say as we said last week on our burnout episode if you didn't love this book that's totally fine we, we don't say this in every round table but we do mean it truly not every book is going to be mm-hmm. for every person you know and that's just fine if this book was a little much for you oh well we hope you enjoyed the conversation we hope you'll be back next week when we'll be talking about episode two well no we won't be having attack of the clones episode <laughs> We will have part two of Greater Good. And as a reminder, you can catch Emma Wednesday night on the Cosmic Force, where they'll be doing the first part of the Shadows of the Empire crossover event. And then, of course, Thursday night on Legends Look Back. Emma, remind the folks what time that's going to be at. Yes, Legends Look Back is at 9.30 Eastern Time and Cosmic Force. And I realize I just went in reverse order, so I'm sorry. Cosmic Force is Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Legends Look Back, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Awesome. And again, if you haven't read Shadows of the Empire ever, drop on in. It's been a hot minute. There might be some spoilers, but it'll definitely be a fun chat. We hope you enjoy our crossover week. And... Of course, all the collections that are coming out. As a reminder, tomorrow we have our Pride collection coming out. And, Wes, you told me to remind people there's a way to get into Thrawn for the first time that they could get into. I'm going in our, our Living Force Slack. You had... That is correct. Yes. <laughs> so there is a uh, description down in, in the bottom of uh, your YouTube descriptions and the one getting started with Thrawn. So if you've never read anything with Thrawn, we've had... Um, we had a great guide put together on utini.com um, that will help you choose the right books to first get into Thrawn or where you, you can uh, get into Timothy Zahn's, like, his first uh, his first stories about Thrawn. And so if you want to travel further in. So, if I mean, if you haven't read this book and you stay with us this long, then you might want to peruse around and look at that uh, look at that guide to see which book you might want to pick up first. Totally. And we don't talk about these as much as we as we should necessarily, but all those guides in Utini are so tailored. We just had a recent uh, patron message about our Jason Solo guide that got them into books about their favorite characters. So go check those out. Keep reading Greater Good if you need to finish it, and we will see you next week for part two. Because, my friends, that will do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you already supported us on Patreon, thank you so much. Go on, head over to Discord. We're going to have a little aftermath after show tonight. Do a little bit of post-Thrawn chatting. A special thank you goes out to Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council. And Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at Doc Star Wars MD. Charles Letsy Hankles. Wes is at Boss Wes. And Emma is at Irma Jedi 26. Yeah? Yes, 26. <laughs> Irma Jedi. 
A uh, special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Charles, Wes, and Emma for podcasting with me this week, and all of you in the chat for hanging out and chatting some Thrawn. And as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you. Always.